Station, some adjectives to be named later. The Homestar Army proudly presents Trek West 5, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and pretty much whatever else they want to talk about. Your hosts for Trek West 5 are Joey and Peter. Good evening and welcome to Podcast 158. I am Peter. And I am Joey. Uh, welcome back. If you're hearing this now, <laughs> it may sound really, really awesome or really terrible. Or you might not even notice anything at all. We've done all of this work <laughs> for nothing. <laughs> no one even knows the difference. For no gain. Actually, maybe we shouldn't have even said anything to everybody. And just wait for them to notice. Yeah. Wait for them to comment on how much. Yeah, because I'm sure the comments would be flooding in at any minute. Um, okay, we have not new microphones, same microphones. We have um, a new soundboard that we're trying out. Apparently, Joey figured out how to scam the system. Because a, a soundboard is such a, a major purchase, they allow you to do a 45-day trial of the soundboard. Uh, no cost to you. So they pay for the return shipping and everything. No questions asked. You just you take it. You try it. If it works, you you pay for it. If it doesn't, you send it back. Okay. So we're going to try this out for 40 days or so because we've already had it for a week. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So let us know what you guys think. Maybe throw something up on the Facebook page or, you know, tweet us or send us an email or, you know, whatever. Um, and see, let us know if you guys like it. If uh, if everything goes well, this may be the direction we kind of go um, towards getting. This may become you know ours. Yeah, who knows? The, we'll, the, we'll have the, to see. The big advantage I'm hoping to get out of a, a nicer soundboard. I don't know if we've mentioned it before. Is but you and I are being recorded on separate tra- tracks, and so if one of us is having some trouble one night, yes, I can now mute you without having to mute myself. <laughs> 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 um, hopefully let's have, let's make that a chance. Cause I was just talking over the, over Joey. Let's see him mute me. Okay. You want to give that a go? Yeah, let's do that. So at the beginning, well, I'll, I'll put a little timestamp in there for you. Okay. Uh, this is really, yeah. In the end, I don't think any of you guys are going to notice a thing, but Joey's going to be really excited for this. And it gives us some added potential, some benefits in some other areas if we decide to ever have multiple guests. Yes. So, you know, just this is an experiment for us. Why can't you people just be happy for us? <laughs> well, and, and there are listeners who complain sometimes about you being too loud and then I'm too loud. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And now I can adjust our, our volumes individually. So if we get listening to it and we notice that one of us is too loud, I can turn just that track down without having to quiet down the whole thing. Right, right. Um, well, that is good. That's a little intro. Um, work's been kind of chaotic for me uh, of late. You know, I didn't make any flights out anywhere, but, you know, it's just, it's been weird. Um, gearing up for Adobe Summit. It's a thing they do every year, apparently. Adobe puts on a big uh, conference sort Technical. of thing. Um, and so we're a gold sponsor, so we're making a big presentation. Plus, we we're going to have a booth there. So there's just a whole mess of work that's been going into it. I got roped into it. Good for you. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's exciting. Um, plus, there's some other cool stuff that's going to be happening at work. We're not going to talk about it yet. 
because it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> but when it does, we'll let you guys know, and it's it's going to be cool. Um, okay, let's uh, let's just go ahead and jump into normal stuff. Okay, uh, what do we do first? Do we want to do Facebook? Do we, ha- do we have any uh, listener emails that need to come before the body of the podcast? Uh, probably. All right, Mark. Here here's the deal, listener M. I'm sorry, we missed some emails. <laughs> I just wasn't managing the the email inbox. I just let everything kind of fill up, and I hadn't been you know sorting things away once we were done with them, and so I just overlooked. Okay. So here's an email he sent back on the 11th of February. He says, "Hey, Sir Pete and Sir Joey, the first time I watched BSG, I watched the first two seasons from Netflix discs. It took about a month. Um, have we read this?" No. I, I appreciate the slower pace. You only need to go over two episodes a podcast. Although it seems that this leads to shorter, under two hour podcasts. Take as much time as you need. So okay. his life is so dull <laughs> that he needs us. Now only kidding. When is the intern going to be on again? Isn't there a train that can get him close to the recording site? Also, Pete's friend John Madsen is a good guest as well. Yeah, I know. Uh, the intern would be welcome back here. I'd love to have the intern back. Um, my friend John Madsen, he's welcome here anytime. But uh, he's busy. he got some other things that he does on Friday night, so I, I understand so why he does So does the doesn't. intern. Um, yeah, but I think we're more important. Well, I think that goes without saying. It's us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so no answer to your question there. Sorry that, you know, we don't have the intern. Yeah. We want them on. I think yeah. we've done really all we can to yeah. encourage that. You know, I've uh, reached out to a couple of other people and said, Hey, I want you to come on the podcast. So we're trying to get some other guests to come on as well. Um, so oh, that's exciting. We'll, we'll see who those might be. Uh, he continues. I'm also starting to watch the West wing on streaming. I think I have some predictions about what you said about it in your West Wing shows. Shouldn't it be called the Left Wing? <laughs> very true. It should. It's very, very not right well, or west. Well, well, clearly, if you're if you're facing north, it is the Left Wing. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see here. And the uh, North did win the Civil War, so. Oh, I see. It was great to hear Joey's reaction to the old man getting shot by whole face. <laughs> that was pretty spectacular. Even tonight, uh, a little spoiler <laughs> here, Joey forgot to watch the episodes during the week, so we had to watch them tonight. Yes. And I got to see his reaction to um, somebody else getting shot. Yep. We'll, have to, we'll have to see who it is. Big surprise. <laughs> uh, okay, Liz, uh, later, listener M. Um, he had another one where he says... Um, oh, that's where he goes into his five. Um, hey dudes, I don't know why, but have you been receiving my emails? You haven't mentioned that my messages were crap. So perhaps they ended up in your spam folder. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, I understand if my messages don't measure up to be mentioned. (laughs) It would just be nice to know if your messages are getting through. And I will try to improve the quality to be included on your (laughs) show. What you did to this poor man? (laughs) You gave him a complex about his emails. (laughs) It's like an old Jewish grandmother. 
Oh, at least you could do something. Just tell me what's going on. <laughs> Are you getting any of these? That's my Jewish grandmother. I'm sorry if I offended any Jewish grandmothers out there. I think it's better than your uh, your Jewish announcer guy <laughs> that Jewish we've used on, on a couple of the intros now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I was ever channeling a Jewish guy. It was going New Yorker. Okay. If you thought that that was Jewish, then that's just racist of you. I, I thought it was like a racist version of a New York Jew. That's a, <laughs> in fact, that's what I labeled it. It was New York Jew. <laughs> oh, Great. Okay, uh, Facebook Find of the Week? Facebook Find. All right, uh, this is going to go to Listener Fishhead for um, Sherlock's A Scandal in Bel- Belgravia as really? a Disney-style storybook. Okay. I, I would I would totally get that, man. Yeah, I, I just thought it was going to go to him for the, uh, the Star Trek thing. Arc. Oh, yeah, that was kind of cute, but, you know, eh. I, I thought that was the fun. There was only the one picture there, as opposed okay. to you know right. the other one, where there Qu- were multiple. Qu- quantity one. Yeah, it's always quantity. <laughs> Good old quantity. <laughs> nothing, nothing beats quantity. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Um, when are we doing our five? Should we do it now, or should we do? Um, Let's do it now. Brainy's thing. Let's do it now. Do it now. Okay. So, Pete, go ahead. Your five musicals. Five favorite musicals. And you said they had to be... That is not what I said. What I said is preferably from the stage, but if you don't have five you've seen on the stage, that's okay. Give us some movies to fill it out. Okay. So, number five, I'm going to say The King and I. Okay. And this is from the movie. And, uh, yeah, I was like it. I, you know. Okay. Yul Brenner. Yeah. It's, he was bald. That is a good one. Uh, number four is going to go to The Music Man, which I mm. saw on stage um, here in Salt Lake City. And it was surprisingly actually pretty good. The The movie version, not a huge <laughs> fan of which myself. Movie? Which movie? The one from, I would guess, the, the 70s okay. or so when Opie Taylor was in it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just, I didn't dig that one. So you haven't seen the, uh, Matthew Broderick one? No. If I have, not all the way through. Um, let's see here. Number three is going to go to Beauty and the Beast. Really? Yes. Okay. It came to Capitol Theater here in Salt Lake City. And it was spectacular. Um, it was honestly one of the coolest things I had seen in a long time. I, I'm not a huge fan of Beauty and the Beast. I, I feel like they added some scenes or they did, they kept even some scenes that I thought should probably not have been in the musical, personally. Really? Like what? Um, Human Again, not my favorite. Oh, I like the song. We'll be human again. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Human again. Uh, and then the... Uh, all the dishes are like, hey, all right, we're finally going to get to <laughs> stop being a plate or a... Feather Duster. And the, the stage presentation of Be Our Guest. Also not a particular Did you fan. watch it at the Salt Lake, uh, uh, here in Salt Lake Capitol Theater? Uh, I did, but it's been a few years, so I don't know when you went to see it. It would have been probably close to nine, ten years ago. Because uh, it was fairly you know soon after me being here. Okay. Probably may have been the same production then, if, if you yeah. think... Uh, the, I loved the it. choreography. I thought was a little silly, a little campy. 
It was a heck of a lot better than Phantom of the Opera, which I have seen and is not on my list. Yeah, I am not, not a not fan make of my that. list either. It is crap. <laughs> I do not get what people love so much about that thing. Honestly, okay. goodness, total crap. Okay, number. Oh, that's not where my list is. <laughs> I put the wrong thing down. Number two is going to go to The Sound of Music. Uh, Julia Andrews is just yes. Uh, a, she is spectacular. So is this the, uh, this I, is this is the, the movie. movie version? Yeah. Have you ever listened to the Broadway cast recording with Julie Andrews in it? I have not. It's actually pretty good. You should check it out. Um, it was one of the things as a child that I can remember, like my mother saying, "Hey, oh, let's watch this. You'll like it." And actually liking it, as opposed to all of those other things, are sort of like, what the freak is this? <laughs> like, yeah, I want to say Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, you didn't like Fiddler? I, was, I there are pieces of it that I'm like, oh yeah, that's kind of a cool story. But like as a kid, having been forced to watch that interesting, terrible, painful story. <laughs> It is a downer. As a kid, like, <laughs> it is a pretty where's big downer. the excitement? And you got a story about, you know, some guy who's, you know, uh, the matchmaker mm-hmm. song and, you know, how, like, really? This is pretty terrible. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, number one has to go to Les Mis. Uh, uh, there's just nothing. Stage version. Better. Absolutely. Okay. I haven't seen the movie yet. Oh, okay. Um, I did see the Liam Neeson Lame is, although I don't <laughs> not, remember not much any of a musical singing was it? <laughs> in that one. Um, and I remember Javert being actually pretty good. You know, I think it was Jeremy Irons. Yes, it was. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Lame is the the first two I saw, not the third one so much, but the first two I saw in the theater, spectacular. Okay. Uh, I forgot to ask: Did any of our listeners send in a list? They did. Do we want to do those first and then mine? or Sure. Okay. Uh, let's go to uh, Mark, listener M. He sent in one. Hey, Mark, how do you like the fact that I remembered your other email? <laughs> it's got to be pretty cool, huh? Hey, dudes, I thought I sent in a few emails over the last few weeks. Yes, we've been over this. <laughs> If you're just going to send in emails about how you've sent in emails. <laughs> He's going to stop reading them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd still read them. Um, perhaps they got lost to the ether. Anyhow, top five musicals. Number five, Chicago, 2002. Okay. I don't know if he's saying he saw that as a play or... Based on the date, I'm betting it's the movie. I don't know. Chicago's come through, though. Wasn't the wasn't Chicago like in two thousand four that the movie came out? I thought it was two thousand. You got a computer there. You look it up while we're while I'm doing this, because I think that could be a stage presentation. Could be number four, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Um, and he's marked nineteen fifty four on this, so I'm assuming it was two thousand two. Renee Zellweger. Okay, so he's he's going movie because yeah. this one's a movie as well. Seven Brides for Seven Brothers in the in the fifties. Never saw it. I think it's been on when I've been in the room, but no, nothing. Aaron really I've ever likes said. it. I'm not a fan. Okay. Number three, Mary Poppins, 1964, yes. one of Disney's best productions. Absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty good. There, as a kid, like I just never really got into Mary Poppins. Hmm. I love Dick Van Dyke. 
certainly love uh, the Julie lady. Andrews. Thank you. Um, but like the whole thing put together, I just never really got into it. I don't that, know why. That is probably my single favorite Disney movie of all time. Hmm. Okay. Number two, Fiddler on the Roof, 1971. The story and acting are just as great as the songs. Okay. Number one, My Fair Lady, 1964. Mm. It's sad that they dubbed over Audrey Hepburn's vocals, but the great actress became Eliza Doolittle. Yeah. I, I wish I could... Uh... I wish I could say I've seen My Fair Lady on stage because mm-hmm. it would definitely be in my list. But unfortunately, I've seen far more than five musicals, stage musicals, and so I couldn't get it on my list. Okay. I know the Facebook page talked about it. Annie was not a fan of... Like, she was like, no, that's terrible. Oh, really? I didn't, I didn't see that thread, so I'll have to go back and check. Yeah, if you bothered to be part of this podcast you might see i'm things. part of the podcast and just not part of the facebook presence uh brainy smurf okay he said honorable mention to bloody bloody andrew jackson i no idea what that is i've heard of it i don't know anything about it particularly i mean i've heard the name i think it won a tone or it was like up for the tonys uh i haven't heard it enough yet and Les Mis, the best thing about france uh, so, number five, <laughs> <clears throat> Dr. Horrible. All-star cast, great nice. songs, great concept. Yeah. Sure is. It's And it's definitely a musical through and through. Yep. Uh, number four, Into the Woods. Sondheim is drastically unappreciated as an American genius. Number three, Evita. Fascinating <sighs> and unique topic and location. Okay. I also love the overture and the duet numbers, uh, such as such as "Good for Me Too," such as "Good for Me Too." Oh, that's a thing. It's, it's one of the songs. Perhaps some punctuation. <laughs> he I, he only uses periods. No, he uses a comma down here. M U <laughs> use a comma. Number two, Jesus Christ Superstar, best overture ever. And Gethsemane always brings tears. Even back in the day, Sir Weber uh, demonstrates an amazing talent to combine disparate melodies from different places in the score. Number one, the Book of Mormon. Yes, as the whole audience cringes, I look past the endless accolades it received, including the Tony for Best Musical, because the message is positive, funny, and irreverent. On one level, I really just love the songs. The music is extraordinary. At least also according to Stephen Sondheim, whom has publicly praised the musical. Listen to You and Me, But Mostly Me for a great (laughs) filth-free example. I understand that many of you guys don't mind that the musical exists, but I want you to know, although it's hard to explain... Uh, but the LDS uh, culture, uh, LDS church is really not mocked, rather employed as a vehicle to tell a story about Utah and Africa. The hero of the tale, a young Mormon missionary, is ultimately exalted by the Africans as a force of positivity and light in a crappy dark world. And the Starship Enterprise is woven into Mormon history as told to Africa. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so that's their list. Okay. 
my my number five. Uh, I had I had to really stop and think about it because my initial reaction was just to fill it up with Sondheim musicals. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, he, he will make several appearances on my list. So, uh, my, my number five is Sunday in the park with George. I, I spent a Joey's culture corner talking about this musical and how I think it is so much of the, the culmination of what Sondheim has been trying to say with his whole life. Uh, really enjoy this one. I saw it done by a pioneer theater company. I want to say like eight years ago. And then just telling a retelling of Tuesdays with Maury. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. But it's, it's, it's very similar to Waiting for Godot. So. Okay. <laughs> My number four is Sunset Boulevard. I think this is Andrew Lloyd Webber's best work. Uh, the he, he draws from a very, very powerful story. And the music and, and the way he kind of retells that story as being more about the relationship between Joe and Betty and less, a little bit less about Norma Desmond. Norma Desmond is the, the motive force, but she's not the main character. I, I really enjoyed that. I, I love the music. It gets stuck in my head very, very easily. My number three is into the woods. I, I think this is absolutely fantastic on, on every level. I, I did it in high school. I've seen it every time it's come to town. I love this musical. Uh, my number three is, Le- or, sorry, number two is Les Mis. Um, I, I really enjoyed the movie, but I still go back to my first and only experience in an actual Broadway show uh, in New York City, orchestra seats, and the production that we saw of Les Mis, they used almost no props. And I really enjoyed it because it forced you to Use your imagination and to to engage more in the story. The fact that there were no props being used made you become an active part of the story in order to place the props in the scene. Uh, and and for that, I really enjoyed it. And obviously, the, the cast was all spectacular. The, the stage was amazing. Uh, and it's such a powerful story. Like I said, when I talked about the movie, it moves me to tears every time I... I witness that story and, and go through that experience. But the, uh, the number one musical for me, the number one stage musical, uh, uh, for time and forever, I think will be the secret garden. When I was in high school and I was doing musical theater, um, my, I should say I was doing tech for musical theater. <laughs> we got to come up to Salt Lake city and see here at capital capital theater, a, a production of the secret garden. And this was at, uh, probably one of the most, down spots of my life. I, when I just really didn't believe that life could ever get better, I thought that I was going to be this miserable wretch of a human being for my entire life. And the message of hope and healing that that, that, that musical portrays struck me at just on just the right chord at just the right time. And really is, was a, a prime factor in me turning my life around and deciding, you know what? I'm going to proactively decide to make my life better instead of sitting back and waiting for good things to happen to me. And because of that experience, the secret garden will always be very, very dear to my heart and my favorite musical. I can, I totally get why, why you would say that. So that's cool. That's awesome. Uh, okay. Well, that's, uh, that's it. We'll have uh, another five something or other next week. Yep. For now, let's jump into 
Brainy. Brainy. He says, um, I very much enjoyed hearing your thoughts, Joey, on American Gods. Just imagine how many conversations have sparked from that book. Yeah. A testament to its creator, inspired by the ability to incite dis- uh, discussion. I thought we would take a minute to note the one show that everyone is talking about. For this week's installment of Brainy's Nook of Darkness, Walking we, Dead. we highlight The Walking Dead. All right. Let's hear it. <laughs> right. I, I, if I'll you'd like, you. You, you can leave no, no, the no, room if no, it upsets you, you I so am much. just about, just about sold on, on trying this out. Really? Uh, from Brainy and a couple other people that I, whose opinions I respect. I think they're very, very thoughtful about the, the media they choose to consume, and they don't just watch for entertainment they actually think about and they're telling a story yeah and and those people have told me over and over again you gotta watch the walking dead in fact at this point really i'd say the only thing i'm waiting for is for the show to end because due to my uh, aforementioned anxiety i don't do very well taking things at the pace that television likes me to take them and so i i find it a lot easier to wait for a at least a season if not the whole show to end and then watch it in much larger chunks. Okay. Um, so hopefully this is spoiler free. Uh, <laughs> that's all right. Roll the dice. I'll do my best. Roll the dice. Uh, another show where bear McCreary provides the music. I have mentioned this series before and practically everyone knows about it. It is the highest rated basic cable show of all time. Three times um, over, in a previous podcast, I submitted The Walking Dead Season 3 as the best season of a TV show. It still is, and Season 3 is not even over yet. (laughs) With a few episodes remaining this season, I can honestly say that I have never before found every single episode of of a season perfectly riveting with thick texture and deft pacing. I go to my parents' house to watch it, as my mom is a huge fan. It's a little gross with a zombie gut sometimes, but if my little old mother can watch it and love it, I am sure the rest of you can buck up. (laughs) It's not about the violence. It's about the story of these people. I am barely going to say anything about the plot so as not to spoil. In the show, we follow a father and son, Rick and Carl. The former cop is raising his son in a post-zombie apocalypse. The son watches his dad lead a group of about a dozen through a series of difficult situations. In a recent episode, as the toll of leadership weighs heavily on Rick, the son asked his dad not to be the leader anymore because he sees the toll it's taking. Interesting. I almost cried. The kid is eight, and he is the greatest child actor ever. Carl's iconic image, wearing his dad's cowboy hat style, uh, cowboy style sheriff hat, wielding a handful of firearms, is an apt illustration of the show's style. This upcoming episode will feature Rick, taking his son on his first infiltration mission. Accompanying them will be Michonne, Michonne, another favorite character, amongst intense-eyed samurai sword swinging chicks with dreadlocks she is number one <laughs> right it's a 
Very odd sort of uh, group. A, uh, seems there. like a narrow category. Yeah. <laughs> Another great counterpoint uh, counterpart to the show is the Talking Dead, where following a new episode, the Nerdist gang interviews writers and actors. It's a great insight into the show, especially when Kirkman is on. And you realize how serious the showmakers try to use the most minimal cues to tell the most ensnaring story. Another very recent episode involved a crazy long scene where, amidst a long-awaited return... Uh, another very recent episode involved a crazy long scene where, amidst a long-awaited return, everyone just stared at each other. Minutes rolled by with no dialogue and no music. Yet the story was being told fiercely, and the characters were developing intensely before our eyes. That is where the show stands apart. There is no contrived exposition. The actors never overdo it. The show is a work of art. Rarely does acting, writing, music, and directing combine so perfectly as it does in The Walking Dead. Interesting. Like I said, uh, I think I'm just waiting at this point for the season, the show to end its run so that I can just watch it at my pace instead of waiting for the next episode. Because I'll tell you right now, Suits just ended season two, and I'm super irritated. <laughs> I can't <laughs> go home tonight and watch an episode of Suits. <laughs> Okay, uh, Brainy, thank you very much for putting that in. I've been on the fence a little bit here and there about The Walking Dead. Um, I'm not a big fan of horror. Like, the, the genre itself is just holds no real interest for me. Yeah. But, you know, I did enjoy Angel and Buffy, so why not give it a try and, you know, see if they can find some enjoyment. I did talk to a friend of mine who said that he has enjoyed it, and he said... One of the things to consider when you watch this is when they're telling the story, when they're writing, it's all about the sheriff. Like that, He is the main focal point. And how does everything else going on affect him? Okay. And he said, you know, knowing that, it changed the way that he started watching the show. Uh, and he said that he got that from the creators themselves. Okay. Like they, they had put that uh, uh, out there for, for people to know. So I think I will probably pick it up. I mean, I eventually did get into Breaking Bad and loved it. Um, <laughs> so I'll probably get in there to it. Uh, Joey, what is uh, your culture corner for tonight? The video game Assassin's Creed 3. Oh, wow. Okay. Um I I have been a, a big fan of this of this series. I'm oh, sorry. Played, is it Xbox, PlayStation? I played on the PC. PC. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I didn't realize there was a, a PC version. Yeah, I, and um, I don't mean politically correct because <laughs> they're killing a lot of folks. There, there is a lot of killing. Um, the the overall message of the series, and and we ha- we knew this kind of from the previous installments in the series, is. Uh, there are there's, there are two powerful forces in the world: the Templars and the Assassins, and they are diametrically opposed. And they've been fighting this war for the the mind share of humanity over thousands and thousands of years. And the the Templars believe in absolute power, absolute control, 
dictatorship squeeze with an iron fist and make humanity do the right thing. Whereas the assassins believe in democracy, freedom of choice, the individual's right to choose. <laughs> and and they take that to the extreme of, well, anarchy is a better system than order because anarchy is the freedom of choice taken to its logical extreme. And the the previous installments in the series were about okay as anarchists we're just we're just trying to win we were trying to destroy all order trying to bring down the templars and make everyone free uh the the third installment the thing i enjoyed the most about it and i'm trying to stay a little bit spoiler free for those people who may not have played through it and want to but uh the the general tone is more one of is either side right maybe maybe the correct path is somewhere between the two Oh. Um, in the in the two previous games, it mostly focused on you as a character living in the modern day world. You would enter into this machine, which allowed you to access genetic memory. The concept is that every ancestor that you've ever had, every memory they ever experienced, everything that they ever experienced, is actually locked somewhere down in your DNA. That all that information has been encoded and it's it's sure. available. Yeah, I've heard that concept before many many times. And the the Templars have made this machine that allows certain key individuals to go in and replay their memories, and they can actually watch the the Templars are watching it like a movie. They're watching these experiences as you're underneath, you know, you're 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 in, you're you're unconscious and you're in this machine. Um, the the Assassin's Creed 3, one of the things that I really enjoyed is that they focused a lot more on the individual who was being shoved into the machine and him trying to say, okay, you know, the maybe the answer isn't really either of these and I have to take some responsibility for myself here. I'm not just a puppet. I'm not necessarily in either camp. I have my own my own thing that I believe is right and I have to go make those choices enjoyed that but by far the thing that i enjoyed the most is that uh, through the different series through the different installments in the series they focused on different time periods in assassin's creed one it all takes place during the crusades in jerusalem uh and obviously the templars are there and you're you're one of the assassins one of the hashashim who are fighting against the templars the uh, the inst- Assassin's Creed 2, the second set of installments, because Assassin's Creed 2 actually had like three games in there. They they kept doing expansions on Assassin's Creed 2 to tell the story of Ezio, who lived during the Renaissance period in Italy. Okay. And was, and was part of, in fact, you were good friends with uh, Leonardo da Vinci. He invented a lot of the devices that the assassins use to Convenient. Yes. <laughs> but uh, when they announced the, the theme and the time period... For Assassin's Creed 3, I got more excited about a video game than I've probably been in about 10 years. It's Revolutionary War, right? American Revolution. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. So the main character that you play is a Native American Mm -hmm. who is a member of the Assassin's Guild and is helping America, helping the colonists find their footing in this new world that they're trying to create. Um, And he has his own reasons for doing so. But you get to see some artist depictions or some retellings of some of these famous American moments. Like I, I went through the the Lexington and Concord 
you know, the shot fired, the shot heard around the world. Uh-huh. Uh, I was there for that moment and I got to witness it firsthand. Now, obviously, you know, <laughs> there's a whole lot of interpretation going on there, but it was so <laughs> much fun to play through some of these key moments in American history. And it's probably the only point in history that I, I really get excited about. I'm not generally the biggest history buff in the world, but when you start talking about the American Revolution, you have my attention. And so to play through some of those key scenes, absolutely fantastic. The game plays beautifully. It was well done. I think they were very respectful in what they tried to do to the Native American culture. And uh, it just thumbs up, two thumbs up. I cannot recommend this highly enough. Yeah, that's interesting because when I saw that it was coming out and it was going to be based in the, the Revolutionary War time period, I thought... Really? Oh, it was awesome. This Pete. looks terrible. It was really, really fun. I'm glad to see that it was, you know, not just a gimmick that they've, you know, managed to make a pretty good game out of. I've never gotten into any of the the Assassin's Creed games. Like, frankly, you telling the story about what's going on was far more interesting than me ever <laughs> trying to play the game. Um, but that's just because I, I've never been into gaming that yeah. much. Uh, so that's cool. I'm I'm glad to see that they managed to make it work. Moving on to episodes, we are going to cover episodes 3 through 4 of Battlestar Galactica Season 2. For episode 3, fragged. The survivors on Cobalt begin to fall apart. The president proclaims herself to the Quorum of Twelve. And Elanon, the bot, sets Ty up for massive failure. <laughs> Elanon. Elanon. Sounds too much like Alanon. <laughs> which I think they desperately need. <laughs> Both of them? Yes. Uh, okay, so we begin... Um, With Satanic Head 6. Satanic Head 6, yeah. So I mentioned we watched this here. I was kind of in and out. I took a little nap. Um, but you think... That this new head six in the black outfit is actually a new head six. Yes. I think it's the direct opposition of the white head six. Okay. So why is, I got to ask, why is white head six not showing up? Or why is, she, why is white head six just allowing satanic head six? I shall refer you, sir, to the book of Job in the Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a fair answer. Uh, she says to Gaius, um, when talking about the people who have died, because um, they're having that little funeral there, mm-hmm. and she says, you know, nothing awaits them. Yep. And it's because they died here on Cobol. Yep. And also she says that, uh, is it here where she makes the comment that murder is humanity's highest art form? No, that must be later. <laughs> I think it is later. But... She she espouses nothing but blasphemy. I think it's clear that this is satanic head six. Well, I don't know that she's proclaiming blasphemy. Uh, I I would think that she's you know just basically down on humanities against them and whatever the humans had done here on Cobol. I agree with Be- what you because, said because what she's saying to uh, um, Gaius is, look, that's what you people do. You murder. You kill. Yeah, you're right. That is what she says. And based on what 
I believe we've been told from angelic head six. Okay. I think that's a form of blasphemy. I think we have enough information from angelic head six to say God considers man worthwhile and a noble creation and worth saving. Whereas this version of head six is saying, no, humans are pretty much bags of filth. <laughs> so just to, uh, by my count, we've got about four. Yes, we've got at least four different head sixes around around. Now. Yeah, so satanic, angelic, and the two factions. Regular head six and potentially Cylon controlled head six. Well, so we have we have two Cylon factions. Okay, all right. Okay, good distinction. Um, so the, uh, the they they're looking around. They're trying to find Cylons. Lo and behold, they find them. <laughs> and apparently they've landed on the planet. I'm assuming they must be a cast off of uh, the base ship the base that had star. Yeah. been uh, and, and, destroyed. And, and I'm guessing that they do not have FTL drives in their vessel. Maybe. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't have bothered to land on COBOL. They would have gone back to the regular fleet and gotten more help. Right. Brought back more forces. Instead, what they say is, look, we're going to do what we can while we're here. What we can do is we can land and build an anti-aircraft battery to kill the eventual search and rescue party. Right. Um, so we go now to Battlestar Galactica and Doc Hoddle is finally <laughs> on board. Man, I love this guy. Yeah. He is. I, I hope you're starting to get a sense of why. Yes, I yeah. go so nuts about Doc he, Cottle. He's, he's certainly entertaining <laughs> because he gets to say whatever the heck he wants. <laughs> what are they gonna do? Yep. He's the only doctor they have. He is sitting literally at the top of the food chain. It's awesome. It is. Um, as he, you know, he's chewing out the guy who was landing and. You know, couldn't you go faster with the airlock? You know, I'm busy here. And then Ty says, oh, is is he going to make it? He's like, what do I look like? A psychic? A fortune teller. Yeah. <laughs> get out of the way. I got to do some work here. Uh, I, and he blows right past Billy, who's trying to get some Kamala extract for the president. Yeah. I thought that was odd. In fact, I had to go back and I was like, like the first time I was still making notes from the, the teaser. And I was like. I, th I just assumed that it was someone standing there saying, hey, you know, come look at Adama. And then it's like, wait, he said president. Mm -hmm. I didn't. He? I had to rewind it and go back and watch it. And then it's like, yep, sure enough, that's Billy trying to get some more Kamala extract for the president. Yes. Um, and so we have uh, Ty. He leaves. Um, Billy tries to say, hey, you need to help out the president. And he says, there is no president. <laughs> what are you thinking, kid? I like this conversation. Uh, Ty says, why aren't you in the brig? <laughs> and Billy's awesome, pragmatic answer. Because no one put me in there. <laughs> and Ty's like, all right. <laughs> Can't argue. <laughs> Ty's kind of losing it here. Yes. Did we see him drinking. Kind of. <laughs> he starts to head up to the bridge. Once he gets to uh, uh, CIC. Yep. Um, he's like, what are you doing out of the brig? What You should be in the brig talking to Apollo. It's like, well, I'm I'm on I'm on duty, like what you said. Isn't this what we discussed? <laughs> He's like, uh, so what are you doing? I'm 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 planning a search and rescue mission for our downed ship. We have a downed ship. What's going on here? Why isn't anyone telling me this? <laughs> it's like well, the ship that's on Cobol, and 
everybody is looking at him like, what happened to you? <laughs> because not much time has really passed from the previous episode. Right. Yeah. Like, the fleet just barely got back together. Yeah, it's just like a matter of hours. Yeah. Doc Coddle's finally coming on board. It's... It seems weird that he's fallen apart that quickly. Well, it's it's the liquor, Pete. It's the liquor. <laughs> the booze will do that to you. <laughs> um, so we go and we see now that Rosalind is kind of out of it. Matter of fact, that you know when she wakes up and she screams, she has no idea where she's at, and Billy's trying to help her. You <laughs> I love know, he's like, do you need me to her. get you anything while you're in prison? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so then we go back to Gaius and it just seems like this would have been if I can interject there real quick this would have been a great time to wean her off the Kamala I'm just saying it's clearly an addictive drug it's any drug that has is gonna have that she's been taking over a long period of time so let's get her off it now she's in prison it's a great time to get clean (laughs) yeah but remember this she's not taking it for like Recreational. Recreational purposes. It's supposed to be helping. It, and it's not just about pain either. It's not a pain drug. No, I understand that. It's supposed to be helping. So you, you, you get off of it and you see if maybe the symptoms are going down. <laughs> if you need to, you can always get back nope, on. That weird lump is still there. <laughs> <laughs> and still growing uncontrollably. <laughs> So Gaius is told by Head Six. Okay, so yeah, so here in this episode, I think we actually see all four versions of Six. Oh, really? Yeah. This is um, not angelic because she's fr- not wearing friendly light. To, friendly to humans, Cylon controlled Six, <laughs> who appears to be, if not necessarily in league with Angelic Six, at least aware of Angelic Six's mission. Okay. And no, not necessarily on the same side, but not objecting to the mission of Angelic Six. And she's telling him that he needs to accept the role of father and guardian. Yes. And now Gaius is sort of like, yeah, I don't know that I really, I'm not up to this. <laughs> you know, we get to see wishy-washy Gaius Doesn't once she again. tell him put on your big boy pants or something like that? <laughs> I, I don't remember, but that would be great if she did. Um so back on Galactica, Ellen Ty. Well, before Ellen, we start to see Ty leading like Ty, and we're gonna see where that ends up going. I I said last podcast, I think Ty would be a more effective leader if he would lead in the Ty style. Now, I don't think having Ellen on his quote unquote <laughs> side <laughs> helps him any, but. No. I may have been wrong. Perhaps letting Ty be Ty <laughs> is not quite like letting Bartlett be Bartlett. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, Ellen goes to visit Rosalind. Yes. And she's like, oh, how are you doing? I don't I don't understand why Ellen gets to have free reign of the ship. I get that she's the Exo's wife, but still. The same reason Billy does. Because no one's said different yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess. Um, uh, but she goes and visits. She's like, "You're a mess." Yeah, and she's later gonna, you know, give that information to Ty at and the that's worst gonna, possible time. And that's gonna Cylon. lead to, you know, a terrible uh, decision that you know 
completely destroys Ty. I, I really liked what they did in this scene to give us, the audience, a sense of the president's disorientation and withdrawal symptoms, where they had that camera kind of tilted at weird angles and... I don't know how they made it float the way they did, but whenever they changed the camera angle, it was a very mushy uh, sensation to the camera. It didn't just turn the way a camera would normally on a dolly. I don't know exactly what they were doing with that with that dolly or whatever, handy cam, whatever it was, but it gave this very like mushy around the edges of the world kind of feel to the camera work. I really enjoyed that. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, we're definitely supposed to see here that she's suffering. Yeah. And, you know, there's probably some, uh, you know, up-chucking that may be happening. <laughs> or, you know, she's definitely dizzy and it's got pains. Uh, so, we're back on Caprica. No, sorry. Uh, Cobalt. Cobalt. And... Kelly has a great line here. That, okay, go ahead. <laughs> so, they're talking about how they're going to have to have Gaius shoot. And he's like, I'm not a soldier. What are you doing? You can't give me a gun. And they're all like, well, yeah, none of us are really soldiers, Doc. And Kelly's like, look, I just joined to pay the bills to go to dental school. <laughs> I actually, I really enjoyed that over the course of these two episodes, they're developing Callie as a character. Because she's been very much a secondary character up uh-huh. to this point. And I decided mid to late season one, I actually really enjoyed the character. And I like that as I got into the character more... Clearly, the writers did, too. Okay. And they're starting to develop her as, a, as more of a person now. All right. So Crashdown here is uh, planning an attack. And he's not handling things well <laughs> at all, either. I mean, we get to see you know two groups of people who are just terrible at leading. Yeah. Um, and, you know, because guys got bad intel to them, you know, they're going to go down a certain <laughs> path and... Tyrrell tries to help out, but no, Crashdown has wants nothing to do with it. Yeah. And so Tyrrell's going to back him, yep. as, as we're going to see later on. Um, Oh, he backs him up right, right now. here, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Let's see here. Chief gets more... Why did I write Chief gets more booze? Ty gets more booze. We He opens up yep. his locker, and there's a, a new bottle of booze. In there that he pulls out. I gotta know, where is he getting all of this alcohol? From the Cylons. From Ellen. From Ellen? From the Cylons through Ellen. Oh, okay. So they are aware of it and they're trying to yep. get him liquored up. Yep. They are they are feeding that beast. Okay. All right. That works. Makes him more manipulable. <laughs> um, so the, uh, the search and rescue team, they leave for COBOL. Um, and then we have six, head six. Demonic six, satanic six. Okay. And here's one of my arguments in favor of her being the opposite faction okay. as, as angelic head six. What happens on COBOL is not God's will. That She makes that comment. What about the vision? What about the vision that Gaius received Did of his daughter? Did she say what happens or she what, says what happened? Happens, what happens? Because he's saying, well, I'm going to be okay because I'm God's servant, right? And her answer is, no, you're on COBOL now. And what happens on COBOL is not God's will. And clearly, Gaius receiving that vision, well, I should say, 
to me, it's clear, <laughs> but I'm probably way off in left field. I just, I think our audience at this point is probably rolling at how overly complex I've made the character <laughs> of Six. <laughs> just like, I think we're going to get to the end, and it's really just the one person, and she's just been kind of schizophrenic or something. I don't know. Right, completely bipolar. She has all of these different personalities. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... We, you know, we saw that Gaius came down to Kobol and got this vision of how he is supposed to lead humanity and Cylons into the future and, and be the next great hope for God's children. And then we have the character dressed in black saying, yeah, what happens on Kobol is not God's will. So I think that is a, an argument for this being a force of direct opposition to the force in white. Okay. Uh, I enjoyed the line where she said, God turned his back on Cobol. Uh, basically saying that, you know, the inhabitants that were here were not good people. Yeah. And God was not pleased with them. Um, so I got a question here. So before, at the end of season one, you were kind of thinking that Gaius had been transported away almost in... I, I think you even suggested maybe even potentially time travel because of the fact that, you know, that scene where they're, they're Certainly showing it some and kind of like, he's not there. And you were like, he's definitely yeah, gone. He's, not, he's moved away. I, I still think he left. You still think, still he's, think he's, he left. he's left. I don't know if it was, if it was astral projection or if it was time travel or something, but I think he was either somewhere or someone else. He was not there in that moment. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Saul is drunk. He is takes drunker than drunk. Advice from Ellen. <laughs> and is it this point that he starts slapping her around and then they move into... Uh, no, that's a little bit later. <laughs> is, is that even like the next episode then? Uh, maybe that's the next episode. Might be the next episode. Might be. Um, Billy manages to get his pills and that's going to help out the president. But Ellen is at this point... Telling Ty, huh, you should see the president. You should go and let the press in there. Or let he should the, have done uh, it right then. Well, I should say, what he should have done first is gone in and checked and said, yeah, how far really out of it is she? And let's not, let's not take Ellen's word for anything because she's clearly a Cylon agent. But he's drunk. Yeah, that's true. And so he gives the order, hey, yeah, let's take the, the, the quorum uh, of 12. Let, let's take him down there. They can see the, the president. So they do. I've got that right. Yep. And the president declares herself the leader. Oh, no, I missed the uh, where they decide to actually go in and attack the Cylon oh, yes. base there and, on and, Cobalt. And Baltar kills Crashdown. Well, yeah, that's because Crashdown flips out. Granted, Crashdown was, was headed down a bad path. That was not <laughs> the right way to handle that situation. But when Baltar kills Crashdown satanic six appears and says you've committed murder congratulations you're now a man yep she used that once again you're a man my evidence that the the six dressed in black is not a force for good (laughs) i hate it when you laugh like that (laughs) what's awesome is the fact that you know the with this military team falling apart and, you know, head six had told guys, Hey, you know, there's going to be someone in your party. Who's going to, you know, basically turn not, on, turn, on, turn the on, on the, the group turns out it's Gaius. Yeah. And he does it in the best way possible. Well, 
in my opinion, it was already Gaius because he dropped the. You know, maybe it wasn't glasses. Gaius. Maybe it was Crashdown. Maybe Crashdown is the one that turned on the group, because the the he was taking them to get slaughtered. Yeah, there's no way in the world they're gonna win that. Yeah. Um, and so by Gaia stepping up and, you know, shooting him in the back, saving Callie, then they don't end up I, I having see, to I go totally in that see what position. you're saying, but I think that Gaius had already been the traitor to the party by lying about his reconnaissance mission. I think right. the traitorship okay. had already happened at that point. Mm. Okay. I don't know if traitorship is a word. <laughs> I, I don't hear anybody disagreeing. Okay. Nope. No, no disagreeing. Um... The humans are pinned down, and then the raptors come through uh, who have come into the the planet. They shoot the Cylons. Yep. They're saved. Hooray. That's great. Now we're back on the ship, and they're all standing there in front of Rosalind, and she's just kind of just <laughs> not even direct, like, aimed at them. Like, she's turned to the side. Yeah. And they're like, what president you you there you what's going on here i i don't know and you know saul ties at the back he's shouting you know oh look how great your president is she's crazy and then she speaks yep and says and does what i think is the craziest thing in all of this (laughs) and you know brings up the the mysticism a prophet yeah uh, with, with all of this, she says, uh, yeah, she positions herself as the leader and they all kneel. And you know, that, that one lady from Gemanon, yep. says, Madam president, do you know about the scrolls of Pythia? Yes. I've read them several times over the last while. And I believe I'm that leader that, well, that leader is someone who's dying. Yes. I have terminal breast yes. cancer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be dead soon. <laughs> she puts and it all out and she there. says, I sent the uh, Starbuck away to go and get the arrow of Apollo Apollo, so that it could be taken to the tomb of Athena. And then we could get our bearings to go back to Earth. By the way, uh, I think anyone who's watching Battlestar Galactica and plays Assassin's Creed will enjoy some of the echoes of the two mythologies that you see in here. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, so it completely backfires. Yeah. Although it shouldn't tie. have. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the, like the people's reaction to that declaration is just astoundingly stupid. Like sheep. Yeah. Really? Uh, my, my favorite part about that scene that I just wanted to throw this comment out there was she says, I am the leader and the way she says it, you can hear the capital letters <laughs> as she says it. And it, it just reminded me of the old, uh, the 1990s Incredible Hulk cartoon where they had the, uh, the the bad guy that had tried to Hulkify himself and his head got real tall. He's called the leader. And he would always give a command and he would follow it up with, so says the leader. And so when she said that, it just totally reminded me of, of that old cartoon. I don't know if you ever watched it. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. The Hulk is one of the dumbest comics ever. Oh, Pete. Yes, I know how much you like the we Hulk. We can't be friends anymore. Um, Only enemies. <laughs> so 
they're they're back down on the planet they're you know talking like hey what what's going on you know where's crashdown how did he die and gaius protects the memory of crashdown does gaius protect the memory of crashdown or does gaius protect gaius um and counts on tyrell protecting the memory of crashdown i, I don't hi- see i don't see how any of the other people there could have would have said oh no 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 gaius was he's ter- he's guilty of murder there like they would all back him up on the fact that you know he saved them. I don't know if you're right because of what we see Callie do in the very next episode. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll let you keep that high opinion of Callie then. <laughs> uh, what is one of the cool things here is at the end he kind of wanders off mm-hmm. in his weird Gaius way, and Head Six is there. Satanic and she six. says, "I'll be your conscience." Yes. So. Here's Which what is we have. Awesome. Here's what we have. We have Satanic Six telling Gaius how proud she is of him embracing the natural man by committing murder and lying about it. And then promises, I'll be your conscience. It's all going to be okay. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. It's fantastic in a very satanic way. <laughs> a very devious, evil way to say, you know what? I'm going to laud you for doing what was maybe a morally ambiguous act potentially in that in that scenario because who knows if Crashdown's ever going to pull that trigger right maybe he backs down i don't and think the, it's and murder the scene de-escalates i don't think it's murder what is it he's killed a man no doubt but i do not think that it's what murder. is it it's not self-defense defense of another yeah for sure because i'm not i'm not convinced Crashdown was ever going to pull that trigger i am I think he's crash coward. Is he's out there? He has. I'm not gone convinced. down a terrible path. Crashdown is a terrible, terrible person. Okay. The fact that he's even willing to pull a gun on someone, I is, think that you know one of his party shows that he has no moral fortitude. There. As horrible as that scene is, I think that Crashdown's actions there are defensible. As the commanding officer, wow. I I think if he I'm, has to maintain order, I think if I'm Gaius, I I shoot I, I shoot saying, crash down. I am not saying and that I, Gaius's actions are indefensible. What I said was morally ambiguous. There's there's some arguments for and there's some arguments against. Yeah, cr- crash down is cracked. Hmm. We will have to absolutely on that. completely cracked. It, it's a good thing we're only enemies now. <laughs> the the weird thing is is I don't get why Gaius protects him. It doesn't make sense to me why he would protect that memory of Crashdown. I honestly think he's he's there, afraid of being pu- punished. Yeah, yeah. Everything that would come out the the truth of all of that would only serve to reinforce that Gaius made the right decision. When you bring you that before be right. a tribunal, you, you, let's let's assume you are right. You're counting on Gaius, of all people, thinking rationally about that fact. (laughs) When we've seen over and over again that when there's any possibility of a threat to Gaius, Gaius 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 protects Gaius. Gaius. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. I don't know that he's capable of thinking rationally about something that's a potential threat to himself. He just instinctively does whatever will protect Gaius. Yeah, the, the, the fun thing is that He's really actually the vice president. <laughs> I don't know that he's going to get in that much trouble. Mm. Uh, so Ty 
finally does declare martial law. Yep. He and takes assumes an interesting control. Here. Yes. He did you notice what he said as he left that press release press interview? I remember. Get these people off my ship. Mm. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Whereas just an episode ago, it was, this is Bill Adama's ship until the day Bill Adama dies. Yeah. He walks out of that press interview and says, get these people off my ship. And Bill Adama's going to live. Yeah. He survived surgery. Not Doc yet. Cottle is able to do it. Yeah. He survived surgery. Oh, yeah, yeah. He survived the surgery. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, okay. That's the end. I do, have, I do have a comment here from uh, Brainy Smurf. Okay. And he says, fragged. Joey, if you were listening to the podcast, you would be able to answer three of your own questions. <laughs> okay. Uh, Pete, I understand your reasoning to omit a backstory detail I provided last week. It's a good thing Joey didn't hear Ron Moore explain that on the podcast as well. But between the bumbling quorum, crackhead Roslyn, and insane breakdown of Crashdown... I hated this episode. Oh, wow. Okay. Ty sucks at being an officer during peacetime. And what is Billy the Cylon trying to pull anyway? D is super hot, though. No, we established that Billy's not a Cylon. D's the Cylon. According to Brainy. I think he may have missed that detail in last week's podcast. Everything except D, four. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. I I like that. But not not a rating four D. No. Okay. No. No. I I, I guess that must mean a ten. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Pete, it's personal. Television rating. I'm gonna give this. Um. Oh, we're doing television first. We do sci-fi first. I'm doing television first this week. I'm changing it up on you. Um. I'm you gonna give this a seven because I enjoy this every bit of it along the way and even though there may be some you know weird stuff that happens like the whole oh madam president you've been reading the scrolls of pythia you are our leader i that's a little roll your eyes ish i i I enjoyed it i also gave it a seven i think it's a fantastic episode uh for science fiction i'm gonna give this seven as well, just because of all of the head sick stuff. Um, we have the, the Cylons there. The, they have to deal with them. You know, we get a, a you know, real firefight. And, uh, you know, then all the stuff that's happening that's falling apart yep. on Galactica. I think it's great. Uh, for all the same reasons as what you said, I gave it an 8. Oh, okay. Moving on to our next episode, Resistance. Tyrrell is accused of being a Cylon and thrown in a cell with a face hole. <laughs> Ty continues his downward spiral, and Adama wakes up. Oh, yeah, and what a wake-up it is. <laughs> what is happening on my ship? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is powerful, man. Yeah. Like, you can just feel everything change when he <laughs> shows up. I know we're jumping to the end here, but my gosh. It is awesome. Way to go, Eddie. Um, so, Tyrrell, we begin the episode with uh, Chief Tyrrell getting grilled by Ty. Yep. And eventually punched. 
Um, Ty has no qualms about using physical means to get information. Yeah, they do an interesting thing with the blood drops to bookend the episode. Mm. I thought that was kind of a cool. Okay. Um, and Tyrell accuses him of being a Cylon because of the fact that he had been having a relationship with Facehole. Yes. Unfortunately, Ty doesn't yet know that his own wife is a Cylon, or he would go a little bit easier on Tyrell. <laughs> would he? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> um, so, do you think uh, Tyrell's a Cylon? No. No. Okay. He's, he's, he, he's an attempt to crossbreed humans and Cylons. Ah, okay. Okay. He's a sperm donor to the Cylon, the, the Humanolong project. Yes. So he's ev- uh, eventually imprisoned with Boomer, and Boomer's like, "Oh, Tyrell, you're here!" And he get away from me. Yep. You know, I want nothing to do with you. If you come anywhere near me or try and talk to me, I'll kill you. Yeah. Why are they putting them in the same cell together? <laughs> I do not get. Well, it's clear they only have the two cells. Yeah, for the entire ship, the brig <laughs> consists of. Two cells. <laughs> I mean, they kept Rosalind and Apollo apart. Oh, did they keep them apart? Yeah, I was thinking apart. that they shared a cell. No, they're in oh, separate okay. cells. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of a weird cell, too, because it's like, it's almost like a cargo bay. It's our honeymoon suite cell. <laughs> it's bigger than most. We think you'll enjoy it. <laughs> we do hope you love your stay and come back soon. <laughs> So we're on to Caprica, and we have this non-military unit. Yes. Gorillas mm-hmm. who know somehow that Cylons can appear human. Yeah. So I'm assuming they've gone up against them before and killed some of them. Yeah. And probably then later seen, you know... And the- it sounds like from from commentary we get through the course of the episode, they ran up against the Leoban. Oh, Okay. I didn't pick up on that. Uh, the um, what's his name, Adair or whatever the the hunky pyramid player. <laughs> well, why don't we just give his name Samuel Anders? Anders, thank you. Um, he makes a comment about yeah, yeah, yeah. You're swimming in the stream. We've heard it all before, and that's oh. that's a line of of conversation we've heard from Leoban before. So okay. it's not necessarily a given. But I think it's meant to imply probably. I think that you're they right. encountered a Leoban. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and anyway, they attack Starbuck and Hilo because they think that they are Cylons. And Hilo and Starbuck think that they're Cylons. Oh, misunderstanding. You bitter, bitter mistress. <laughs> <laughs> um, why don't we just cover all of the, the Caprica stuff yeah, here? Yeah, that's great. That, let's do that. Um, so they attack. They get end up in a stalemate as you know they're outflanking each other and they're like all oh, right you're a cylon well no you're a cylon prove it and sh- how okay. many points did you score no how many fouls. fouls did you have and he says three she's like wrong it was four and he says no it was three the last one was called back on instant replay and she says okay all right everybody put their guns down then Here's my favorite part about that scene. The way in which they decide they're going to put their guns down is, in my opinion, the way that you would signal to your partner, we're going to kill these people. (laughs) On the count of three. One, two, three! 
Wouldn't your instinct be at that point to pull the trigger, not to put the gun down? I don't remember an uh, you know an upswing in the. Uh, the yeah, there's the sound. there's a there's an there's an increase in the tension of the counting as they verbalize it, and I was like, oh my, how did someone not just pull the trigger on accident, just like instinctively? <laughs> Well, that reminds me never to, you know, get get in a gunfight with you. Or at least if we, you know, we are, let's figure something out pretty quick so that we know. <laughs> um, So they say, okay, well, I guess you can come with us, you know, you're military folk and like, and, you know, we've got this little base over here and they arrive and uh, there's 53 people. Yeah. Bunch of mountain climbers, basically, and survivalists. Yeah, yes, and incredibly physically fit people, as they're you know you part know, of this team. This this is the part of humanity that we hope survives the apocalypse. It, <laughs> and then we learn that uh, Starbuck. Oh, she almost went pro. Yeah, as a pyramid player. Oh, and we get to see pyramid good played. Lord, <laughs> I wanted to just hit myself with a brick at that scene, which is like. Yeah, I almost went pro, but I had bad knees. Yeah. Oh, come on. How spectacular is Starbucks supposed to be? Well, she's the savior of all mankind, so pretty spectacular. Yeah, okay. That's true. <laughs> I I just I did not care for this okay. at all. I, I can appreciate and, that. And then when they played the, the, the whole thing, that was just... An Awkward excuse and, to yeah. like put them so close together that they're yes. rubbing their bodies all yeah. over. I, I was not so dumb. That. Although actually getting to see the sport played, it seemed like they had some fairly consistent rules. Somebody actually thought through the game a little bit. Uh, I, yeah, that's true. I was glad of that. I, that I think a nice it's a touch. stupid game, though. It is a stupid game. I, w- I won't. I won't argue with you there. But I just thought it was a nice touch that somebody actually bothered to think through. Uh, maybe we should come up with some rules of this here real quick. Yeah, if we're going to have a team of these players, uh, eventually they might actually play the game for fun. Uh, and then that's it. I mean, I don't remember anything else regarding the people on Caprica except for, oh, yes, I liked being up close to your body. Yeah, that, I don't have any other notes we're talking about. Okay. So, uh, back on to Galactica. And... Uh, it's at this point that Callie, in my opinion, you know, does something weird. Um, because Gaius is, you know, in charge of going in and, oh no, her motivation. She wants Gaius to. Yeah, to help out Tyrrell. Yeah. Because she's like, we protected you, which doesn't make any sense at all, considering the fact that he literally saved her life. In my opinion. I, I don't think that she owes him anything for that. What's interesting is how Head 6 shows up and she says, don't use that phrase. Coaster. That's racist. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Doesn't care for the the phrase toaster. Not at all. Um, So, the fleet is deciding to take action against Ty. <laughs> yeah, the Tillium refinery has said, you know what? Yeah, we're just good luck. We're done. Okay, now I think there's a very simple solution to this problem. Okay, good luck with the Cylon fleet. We're out of here. <laughs> we are your only military protection. If you refuse to resupply us, we refuse to protect you. Problem solved. 
I that's certainly a lot better than what happens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's fun to see as Apollo is, you know, being taken from and to his cell all the time yeah. that Duala, you know, seems to show up. Oh, hey, look at that. Apollo oh. fancy meeting you here. She's He's a possible sperm donor. She has to. Oh, right. Because she's still a Cylon, <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, what's really going on here is she is informing him yes. of what's going yeah. on. Uh, because she sees the the whole thing. She Matter wants fact, him to take command. Yeah. And at a certain point, you know, she's talking to... I can't remember. I think it's here in this episode where she's talking to Ty at some point and, you know, she gestures to Gaeta like, glug, 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 yes. glug. Yeah. yeah, he's drinking. When he's they call drunk him right in, now. They call him in his room <laughs> and he's like, oh, that would be really funny if we did that. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> she makes the glug, glug. That was pretty funny. Nice to know that uh, that little hand motion has been consistent throughout humanity for all those thousands of years. So Ellen gives uh, more advice. I want to stab that woman so bad. To die. <laughs> I just Every time they put her on camera, I hate her character. I mean, yes, okay, actress, well done. You're doing a fantastic job. Nailed character, it. Character, oh my gosh, that just everything about her gets under my skin the the physical appearance of the actress awful i do not care for that woman at all that's funny everything she does everything she is makes me just hate the character man i'm hoping she's a cylon if she (laughs) if she's just a really terrible human that would be so much worse because at least if she's a cylon you go well yeah it's part of the cylon plot to destroy humanity yeah because yeah, there's not terrible human beings like that in the world today. Well, I'm saying like like it's a little more palatable as a character to be able to brush off and say, "Yep, she's a Cylon." Cylons are all evil, right? Right. Well, not all of them, but uh, you oh, know, to, not all of them. Well, yeah, there's the Head Six faction. Yeah, that there's that faction, but uh, yeah, just everything that this woman does over and over again is like the worst possible thing that could be done in that scene. <laughs> Yeah, it does. It's interesting how we're led to believe that love makes you blind. And I don't know if this is part of, you know, Saul Ty's depression, you know, his self loathing that he has that you know, no one else could ever possibly love him. But he just seems to keep going back to that well of Ellen Ty yeah. and getting, you know, some sort of consolation. You know, she's willing to put up with how bad he is. Yeah, and, and this is where he starts to slap her around a little bit, and <laughs> well, they apparently both enjoy that. <laughs> that does happen. Uh, let's see here. Right here. Uh, no, because we have, uh, you know, someone says something ugly is coming. Yes, the president. And that's where they they send in the Marines. Yep. Shots are fired. Four <laughs> civilians are dead. Who knew? A despotic system of government based upon martial law spiraled out of control. <laughs> it's unfortunate no one could have seen that one coming. <laughs> the, the best line is when Cottle is talking to Ty, and he's like, What did you think, genius? You sent in these pilots to go do Marines' jobs. What did you expect to have happen? Yeah. Once again, Doc Cottle <laughs> gets all the good you lines. You are amazing. <laughs> Um, um, then so, we get uh, Gaius 
using this, using aversion therapy after a fashion to try and get Boomer to access her subconscious and tell him how many other Cylons are there in the fleet. Uh, and she says, there's eight. Yes. So we know who four of them are. We know who, we know who the four models are. The, all, other, all the 12 models are somewhere in the fleet, which was not information that we necessarily had before. Okay. So we knew about Boomer, Leoban, PR Bot, and Six. We knew that those four existed. We know that there are 12 models overall. There are eight still undiscovered in the fleet now. They're all in the fleet. Unless Boomer was just lying. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually going to be my next comment to you is, can we trust her? No, but I, I, I don't think the writers were playing a deep enough game in this scene to feed us false information. I think they really are telling us, yep, we're going to see all eight of them were installed in the fleet at some point. Okay. Um, let's see here. Oh, they're planning the escape. Um, Rosalind goes to Doc <laughs> Coddle and says, look, uh, I need you to do this <laughs> terrible thing. And his response is, you're a lousy salesman. <laughs> yeah, it was actually that line right there where I, I went, okay, I see now why Pete loves Doc Coddle. <laughs> like I was coming around, but that's the breaking point for me where he's like, Wow, lady, you are a lousy salesman. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, this character really is getting all the good stuff. <laughs> he is constantly smoking. <laughs> yes. I'll give you a spoiler. He's going to continue smoking through the rest of the series. <laughs> Does he ever get lung cancer? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, so... I really like, again, that we're seeing a lot more of Callie. The, the character develops over the course of this episode quite a bit. I don't remember any. It was... What, what, what are you referencing here? Uh, her interactions with Gaius. And something happens right here between... Oh, it's... Uh, Ga so Gaeta and Duala uh -huh. talk. And Gaeta's like, hey, I, I know you're planning something. Yeah, yeah. She's you like, hey, yeah, there, there's unlogged calls here. You know, what? what's going on with Using that? Using encrypted bursts or something. Um, and then, I don't know, Callie did something in, in between that scene and the actual escape that made me write down the, I like that we're seeing so much more Callie in this episode. I have no idea because I don't have a note of anything about okay. Callie. Um, but uh, the uh, the escape is terrible. <laughs> the writer, whoever wrote that, really lazy, dude. You, you didn't what make the part, characters... What part of it? Because I think what they did with Ty was pretty good. I, I think they that have the... the... We've already seen that they've they've gotten the confidence of the, the guard and the brig. The characterization was fine. It was the plotting and the execution of a... Basically a jailbreak scene was poorly written. Ah, I I thought it should have had a more heisty feel to it. <laughs> heisty feel. Well, the they the plan is to get Rosalind off the ship. Uh they make the escape and everything's going great until they run into this one person who shouldn't be in this particular <laughs> area but seems to be and 
Rosalind has eyes for blood, stares the person down, stares the barrel of the gun down, and says, you really are on my side here. Did you just say she has eyes for blood? Ice. Oh, okay. I'm still trying to work that one too. Like, what does that Ice mean? <laughs> for blood. Um, something weird. Billy doesn't want to follow Rosalind. Yeah. He says, you know what? I'm not going to go with you. I'm going to stay here on Galactica. I think he gives a completely bogus reason here. So? He wants to stay on, on Galactica because that's where Dwala is. Okay. I was gonna. I was gonna ask. Do you think that this might be? He's staying for the girl. He's not staying because he's a Cylon and he wants to stay nope, on nope. board. And the, he's not the main staying ship. because he has some kind of moral objection to what they're doing. It's hey, you know what? I know if I go with you, Dwala and I will end up on opposite sides of this issue, and I'm not okay with that. Okay. Um, so let's see here. Tyrrell gets sentimental about Boomer getting tortured. I don't remember why I'm writing this. Oh, oh, they—they they, you jumped way ahead. Um, yeah. That, well, that's because we're. Yeah, they they escape. I I didn't care about mentioning anything else. There, there was the something. There, there was two things during the escape that I cared to mention. Actually, three things. The first is you've got Apollo, Leodama, com- captain of the fleet of the the you know ca- the CAG, right? The guy who flew his 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 Raptor Viper up the the tube of the the uh huh the processing plant. The man clearly has ice in his veins, as you you know stated about the president. So what are we going to do to try and get him to back down? We're going to fire a shot across the bow. Really? That was just, that was, it's one of those, it's one of those times when Tyrrell, not Tyrrell, when Ty should have stepped back and said, but what's, what's the end game here? What's the next move? Because this, in my opinion, is the equivalent to, Crash down pulling a pistol on Callie. It's the exact same technique. It's the exact same thing being done here. The commanding officer is being disobeyed, and so he escalates to violence to get the order obeyed. So Gaeta should have shot Ty in the back. <laughs> you would have been fine with that. I would have been fine with that. <laughs> um, I, I see it as, in both cases, I see it as an unnecessary escalation to violence. And if you stop and think it through, okay, what's my next move? If this doesn't work, I either have to kill them or I am now a weak leader. Mm-hmm. And nothing I say ever matters ever again to anyone. Right. That's, that's the situation you've backed yourself into by escalating to violence so early in this game. And I thought it was a little bit, I was, I was a little bit disappointed in Ty for not seeing that situation a little more clear. To be fair, the man was drunk. It's <laughs> very true. Uh, Gaeta lies to Ty. He says, I don't know anything about uh, a no. plot or any communications, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, the fact that they go to Zarek to hide the president. I I knew it as soon as Apollo's like, I know where we In fact, even before Apollo said a word when, he's, when she's like, we're going to need somewhere to hide. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're going to Zarek. <laughs> but 
I thought it was great the way that scene played out. I thought they did a good job, even though it was completely predictable. They actually had a good little moment there between Zarek and the president as they're trying to find a way, okay, for at least for this time, we're going to have to work together. We're going to have to trust each other here. Mm -hmm. And I thought that they, in a very compressed amount of time, navigated that interpersonal conflict between those two characters very well. Okay. So the the note you have there is about basically like this World War II style torture of enemy combatants that they're about to instigate on Boomer here. They're telling Tyrrell, yeah, we're going to take Boomer and we're going to put her, we're going to treat her like a lab rat. We're going to oh, run all these right. experiments on her. Right. Which is just the exact same kind of thing as what happened on both sides of World War II. You know, it was, oh, we have some enemy combatants. Hey, let's find out if what happens if we inject smallpox in them. <laughs> let's what happen, we'll find out what happens if we fill a, a chamber with poison gas and shove people inside let's i'm just curious you know uh, who knows <laughs> okay um let's see here ellen attacks ty i don't remember that but sure i totally believe that adama wakes up yep what and... is going on on my ship <laughs> That was great. Yes. It. They decide, all right, don't worry. We're going to pick up the pieces yep. here. We're going to fix this. I, I think it was actually that they, the writers kind of bailed themselves out a little bit by putting Adama down for a few episodes after he performed the military coup because now Adama can step in and be the hero and say, uh, you know what? That was just my XO. He didn't know what he was doing. He wasn't. He wasn't authorized yeah. to do the those XO things. made it so much worse. Yes. than what Adama did. And Adama can backpedal it all now. He, he gave Adama an out. Uh, the episode ends with Callie uh, <laughs> pulling a Jack Ruby. Oh my gosh, that's awesome! Shooting that's so awesome, Boomer. It was fun to. I I knew what was gonna come, and I was waiting for your reaction. And it did not disappoint. <laughs> I could not stop giggling. It was hilarious because, I mean, the way they did it, it was so Jack Ruby, right? Yeah, exactly. It, she comes up to her in the crowd and shoves the gun in her gut and pulls the trigger. Oh, it was great. <laughs> you know, again, I, I, I mentioned last week, being a good American, I <laughs> prefer violence to sex. I uh, loved that scene. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, it was fun. Um and what was interesting, Tyrrell gently held. Yes, I I'm afraid that that's probably going to come back to bite him. Okay, I don't have anything else to say. Listener comments. Okay, uh, go in here. Brainy says the Boston Massacre episode. Yay! <laughs> With a touch of Jack Ruby. Galactica's psych counselors must really suck at debriefing people. But before that, we finally meet the former Pyramid star that Joey prophesied. I like Anders, but I think that Pyramid is totally stupid looking. <laughs> and aren't the ties just the best, worst relationship ever? I wonder, those two are. <laughs> I wonder if Gaius's torture scene will come back to haunt him. And rest in peace, face hole. 
I hope they're... Eh, I'm not going to read that. Don't forget about uh, Hot Chick Runner-Up Racetrack. Okay. I don't remember her being in this episode. I'm sure she may have been there like as in some sort of background sort of thing. Well, they talked about her. Did she go on the ship with... Yes, I think she did. I think she went on the search and rescue mission. Okay. That's over. Yeah. I don't know. be back from that. Anyway, he says Sci-Fi 6, TV 6, Music 6. Hmm. Joey's final five. Okay. What will happen to Callie? Remember, she's, she's just shot. Yeah, she's going to do some time for this. She's, think going, she's, she's going to the brig for at least a little while. Okay, that's it. That's all that's going to happen to her. Uh, in the short term, I am starting to suspect that Callie has a bit of a thing for Tyrrell. Okay. I think she's got a little bit of a hero worship slash romantic <laughs> aspiration going on there. And that will become an issue, I think. I wouldn't... I, you know, I, I, if, that's a tr- if that's true, I don't see any problem with that because Tyrrell's awesome. I love Tyrrell. It's... A problem because of what Terrell just went through with Boomer. He's not going to be able to reciprocate. Think Callie's a Cylon? I don't think she is right now. But if they keep developing the character, I will probably get there. Because, <laughs> I mean, a Cylon shooting another Cylon? Well, so I actually thought this through. At the point that she shot, shot her, I thought, because it was so Jack Ruby. <laughs> and because... I do so love my conspiracy theories. There is a conspiracy theory out there that says Jack Ruby actually collaborated with Lee Harvey Oswald and was making sure that Oswald couldn't testify. If that's the case, why wouldn't Oswald just commit suicide? Because Oswald was a coward. (laughs) Brother. Oh, my gosh. I'll loan you a book sometime. It's very entertaining. Keep it. But uh, so I I actually considered at the moment, hmm, it could be that Callie is a Cylon and she was just killing Boomer to prevent them from being able to run these tests. Okay. Number two. Oh, is that really only question number one? <laughs> yeah. I had several follow-ups. Okay. What's Gaius's next move? Man. Uh, to take over. Adama's going to backpedal the martial law. And Gaius is going to have to become leader of the free world. Okay. Free space. (laughs) Fleet. The verse. Three. Is Rosalind wrong for the right reasons or right for the wrong reasons? I hate questions like this. You're splitting hairs. No. You're saying... Are her motivations right and her actions wrong or vice versa? Um, I think she's right in both cases. I don't think she is right in both cases. I, I think I think it's one of those two options. I'm trying to decide which one it is <laughs> because I can see. I actually. I'm going to say that she is right for the wrong reasons. Okay. So because she should have stayed in prison, no, right? No, 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 Or she should be out of prison. She should be out of prison. But here's, 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 I'm actually taking a broader view of the question and saying, okay, 
I've bought the premise that the writers tried to sell me at the end of season one, start of season two, which is that the 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 desire of God, God that God is a good being, He wants what's best for humanity, and His plan is for humanity and Cylons to work together. And Rosalind, while she is leading humanity to Earth and is defending the humans from being eradicated by that darker faction of the Cylon society. She is doing the right thing, but she's doing it for the wrong reason because she's doing it in opposition to the Cylons instead of trying to find some way to work together. That was more confusing than the question. I bet you Brainy understood it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> He's the one asking it. Number four. Do you miss your favorite character from The Next Generation, Lieutenant Rowe? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she was awful. Um, no, <laughs> okay. I, I do. I do miss having a character that could be universally hated that way. It was kind of nice that we could all hate Yar and Row together, wasn't it? Yeah, but isn't that what Ellen's feeling right now? Is there anyone who likes Ellen? Ty? I thought you did. I said I think she's actually attractive. Mm, okay, but she's horrible. She horrible. Okay, all right. Number five. What's going to happen on Cobol between Elosha, Roslyn, Zarek, and Apollo? Who's Elosha? I have no idea. Elosha. I don't remember an Elosha. Speculate. Okay, what Elosha? What's going to what's going to happen? Elosha, Roslyn, Roslyn, Zarek, Zarek, Apollo, Apollo. Hmm. Well, I got the sense from the end of this episode that perhaps they're going to explore a little bit of a romantic relationship between Zarek and Rosalind. Ah. Uh, Wait, is Elosha the... I wouldn't want to say shaman, but like the priestess oh, woman? Oh, yes. She's probably the priestess. Okay. Yes. I have no idea, I have no idea what her name is. Yeah, you're, it's probably who who it is, though. Like, if we just think about who's in that scene, mm-hmm. it, it, she was there. I mean, because the rest of the people are the ones who are, like, all part of that that closing scene when, yeah. once they made it over to Cloud Nine. I think Lee is going to want to come back to the fleet at some point. Okay. Um, and I don't know. I don't really... But it the, sounds like you're saying they're going to fracture there. or bit, yes. That you, uh, Zarek and Roslyn. Zarek and Rosalind, I think, are going to pair up a little bit, explore a little bit of a romantic. I don't know if it'll get particularly <laughs> hot and heavy. <laughs> Just the idea. Uh, exploration. You know, oh, it's what okay. people do in college. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I, I think they are going to have those two characters. You know. Oh, and then Apollo and Alosha get together. No. I don't think that's going to happen. But, uh, oh, that would be so awesome. If what I do think is going to happen is that Elosha is going to turn against Rosalind, and so is Apollo. Okay. They're going to both want, for different reasons, Elosha for spiritual reasons, Apollo for military reasons. They're both going to want to undo this decision that they've made. Okay. All right. That covers it. Uh, Brainy, thanks very much. As always, you are a gem. For doing that. Joey, what do you say for science fiction? You mean for television? Science fiction. <laughs> You're turning it back, huh? Huh. Well, that's weird. For science fiction, I'm giving this one a five. 
It was good. Nothing particularly science fictiony, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I, I wrote six after I got done watching the episode, but I could be talked down to a five. I don't hear you. You know, five it is. I, I, I well, you've given me no argument to come down to. A I five. gave it a five. There's yeah, my argument. That's, nah, not good <laughs> enough. I'm just staying with my six. Uh, for television, I'm giving this a nine. I super enjoyed this episode. It is probably right up there with 33 for me as oh, one wow. of the episodes I've enjoyed the most. Really? Yeah. That is so interesting. Really enjoyed. There are so many things going on here. Ty being the hot mess that he is. <laughs> um, he plays drunk really well. <laughs> you know, and, and I wonder if he got to be drunk. As much as I picked on the, the escape part itself... It's such a tiny part of the episode, and maybe that's what frustrated me so much about it, is it's like, this plan comes together awfully fast, and everything just seems to go their way. Yeah, it's easy when you everyone hates the guy who's in charge. <laughs> yeah. You want to, you know, but, get you know, away there, from there's just There's so many different pieces moving around in this episode, and I think most of them move in unison. Most of them move in the same direction at the same rate to bring a really, really tightly scripted script together. And also, it's clear to me that one of the writers had this visual of the blood dropping on the ground being the bookend of the episode, and I really enjoyed it. I, I, could, like, I could feel the writer's passion for that. He had that scene in his mind, and he was not letting go of it, by golly. He was going to find a way to get it in there. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. You know, it's very enjoyable for me as well. I don't think it's as great as what you enjoyed. Okay. I, I gave it a 7. Um, it, it is really fun and enjoyable. Um, for me, what is so powerful is Adama. As I mentioned at the beginning, just him being there, you know, standing up, everything changes. Yeah. It's sort of like, holy crap. Order is back. This is the person who is in charge. And it's, every. you know what? Everything's going to be solvable now. Yeah. We can fix this because of Adama. Well, that brings us to the end of another podcast. We hope that you've been inspired to take a deeper look at your entertainment choices and discuss it with friends, family, or just a couple of complete strangers you only know from the internet. As always, we invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com. You can tweet Pete at trekwest5, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 801-508-4242. So until next time, I am Joey. And I am Peter. And we thank you for listening. <laughs>